Angutovoch, welcome to tonight's Shir, Matzah Shabbos, Parashas B'Shalach, Shabbos Shira. I'd like to also just share with you that last Matzah Shabbos, as soon as Shabbos was out in Chicago, I uh, opened the, the Zoom account and I was gratified to see some 36 um, views of the recording which I made air of Shabbos. So, Thank you for the encouragement and best Hashem. We should encourage one another to do good things. This week we just come from we've come from uh, Yud Shvat, and so I want to share with you a psak halacha of the Freydik Rebbe. So the question here is about facing Mizrach when the shul has the Orenkaidesh in another direction. So the discussion in Shechon is Simon Tzadik Dalit Nerechayim. What you have here in the middle, the small sprint, is Beis HaKnesses, where they paid the Oren Kodesh on the south. And everyone that Shul is facing is daven to the south. You are able to daven to Mizrach, even though the Kohol are facing south. It's not a question of Yuhara, of undue um, pride or whatever, arrogance. Nor to cause a cause for enmity, quotes from Yad Eliyahu. There's another eminent uh, authority who disagrees, and he says, no, you should conform to what the Tzibur are doing. So we have in the Bayer Hete, he brings two opinions whether you should, whether you can um, choose to follow the uh, true the true direction for your shalayim, or should you have to conform? Reading the Mishnah Brura, so he has he he brings this psakhalacha, uh, and he says where well, you have a shul whether the Aron Kodesh is on the south, and everyone's facing the Aron Kodesh, even though it's not the right thing. However, one who davens there should daven in the direction where the tzibur are facing, but he should tilt himself, his pay face turn towards Mizrach somewhat. So here we have, he's, he seems to be taking more the view of the, uh, the, the, the second opinion that you should conform with the Tzibur. So here we have a letter, and it's quite unusual for the Friedrich Rebbe to write Piskalocha in the, uh, in, that's not so much his style. And so we have this letter of the Friedrich Rebbe, and it was someone to called um, Avram Elia Axelrod, who I believe lived in Baltimore, perhaps. At any rate, he writes the following. In response to your question, whether you're allowed to dabble in a shul, whether the directions are inaccurate. I don't understand your question. Because generally, says the Rebbe, when you build a shul, or when you take a house and arrange it if we have it as a shul so generally you try to work out the, the directions that it should be the right way as it says and that's the taz the Rebbe is actually um, a, a pioneer in this after the Lavush the Rebbe is a pioneer in this of working out that you shouldn't just face east but rather to work out the direction 
according to where you are in the world with the mathematic uh, etc and then once you know which is uh, um, which is the east then to a little bit towards the south it shouldn't be mamish bowing mamish to the east as if you're bound to the sun then the Rebbe finishes off however if when it was built or when it was rearranged as a show it didn't work out the directions as it should be there's no question about davening in that show because you can daven the direction where you find is where you according to you is the correct direction to your shalayim and besamigdash as mentioned in Barahetev and see if base of crossing gimel. So he's referring to the Barahetev that you have the choice to face the right direction. And so there we have an interesting psaka the Priyadikarebe that you if you're in a shul which is facing south, you should you you could you could choose a component to face your shalim regardless of where the rest of the Tzibur are facing. Or you might you might say that he means like the Mr. Buri at Sadid Ponov, it's he doesn't say that. Okay. Let's move on to a question someone asked me this week about why we make a point of having two people on either one on either side of the bima. So this you can see is from Simshukanoch Simakufbim Allah, the Ninim of Kriya he says like this, if the Shliach Tzibor stroke Baal Koyre wants to have his, he wants to read an Aliyah, he wants to read the Torah, so there should be someone else standing next to him. So there shouldn't be, just like the Torah was given through an agent, through Moshe Rabbeinu, so too we should also, when reading the Torah, it should be somehow with an agent. There should be someone else so if not for this Takana, so then you do, you could have just one person standing there and reading from the Torah. And that is saying that there should be at least two people at the reading. The Mishtabura now adds that the community is that the Gabai, or in some shuls they have that they sell the mitzvahs. And so the one who bought the mitzvah for the day, so he's like the one who's dishing it out today. So they would stand by the Sefer Torah. And the one who's uh, 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 distributing the aliyahs is called the sgan, called like, like a gabe of sorts, and so we'd have three. You, uh, you'd have the balkoida, you'd have the gabai, and you have the one who has the aliyah. And he goes into detail. The sgan is kivyochel, um, representing Hashem, because he is the one who's giving the instructions, who should who the aliyahs should be given to. The one who's reading the Torah, he is like the agent, like he's like Moshe Rabbeinu here. The one who's oiler to receive the Aliyah, he is like Klal Yisrael who are receiving the Torah. So that's his profile of why you have three, Hashem, Moshe, and Klal Yisrael. He goes further, That's the quote. this is quoted from the Levush. He goes further that there are at an early minute to have a minimum of three standing by the Sefer Torah. He quotes from a Sefer But there he gives a different reason. And there he says it's inappropriate there should be just a single man standing by the Bima. Rather, there should be one to his right and one to his left, corresponding to the Ovis. Now, 
Okay, so we've got here two reasons. One is Hashem, Moshe, and Eden, or corresponding to the others. What I found remarkable is in today's Pasha Chumash, where it talks about um, Moshe Rabbeinu standing, sitting in prayer, actually, and he has uh, Aaron Chur on either side of him, and Rashi says something to the effect that on a Tanist Sibur, finding the Rashi. So at Atanis, we make a point, well, we'll discuss in a moment if we do, but that there's that idea of having three people leading the davening on Atanis. And since they were fasting, therefore we have three people. Now, the, this is brought in Shukunaruch Simon Tovkov Samakvol, that of having three people two on either side of, one on either side of the chazan. Then they say that that was be true back in the day when only the chazan would be saying the davening and everyone else was yotza through listening. Nowadays that we all, everyone's saying the slichas or everyone who only can is saying the slichas. So therefore this profile of having the reader being flanked by two people doesn't apply. That's how the Mephoshim say in Simitov Kufsamachvov. Meanwhile, we have this idea of, of three people. Separately, you have in Hilchosim Kippur. I think it's top ratio test for, um, for Kol Nidre. But, uh, but there, the Alter Rebbe doesn't use this idea because of Tanis, which as, uh, for this reason just said is obsolete. But he says the idea of Hatars Tadorim, that you should have three. And that's why we have three people with the Sifr So that's another aspect of it. Now, as I was looking, I was trying to see is there a connection between the three people for Tfilastainis, as in Rashi, and the three people for Kriyas HaToyre? So, it doesn't seem to be connected. Three people for Kriyas HaToyre is one thing, and three people for, for uh, Tanis. They may be connected. It might be the idea of someone making a statement, Barabim, on speaking Barabim, should be have the kind of the support of another two people to, to, to support his message, so to speak. But then I just saw in the Torah Shlema, just tonight, So he says that Moshe invokes this chus of Avroham Yitzchok and Yaakov, because it says, So Alludes to Avram Avinu because it says Vehem in Bashem Vayachshevelotzedaka. Ad boy alludes to Yitzchok um, in reference to whom it says Vayitzchok bomi boy beir lachayroi. Yaakov, but Hashemesh alludes to Yaakov where it says Vayizrach lo Hashemesh kasher ova es pruel etc. So he he this medrash says that ya, that Moshe. When he is davening, he's invoking Avram Yitzchik V'yakov. Well, then, if that's the case, then perhaps there is a connection between the three people for Aliyah Latoyre and the three people at the Tefillah of a Shliach Tzibur on a Tanis. That's Alder Hadrush.
and about having four people when uh, there are those who say about, about having four people, in other words, the two oilim and one on either side. Kamarna says this, but the Mr. Bura brings it again. So to summarize, the Shukhanor says at least two people. Mr. Bura brings that Minig is to have at Akriyasatur to have three people. And generally we try to have one on either side, just in case there's a Balkhoire happens to have Rishi. Right, let's move on. So here's an interesting question. What do you do in Psuki de Zimra if you're called up to the Torah? Do you, as normally when you have an Aliyah Latoira, you'd say quietly along with the Shliach Tzibur. But if you are in the middle of Psuki de Zimra, where you are a little bit limited, should you be reading along? So let's just read the sources and then let's discuss it. So the first source you have over here is from Tov Kuf Samachvov, sorry, from Simon Samachvov in Krishna, where it talks about if you're called up to the Torah in during Birchus Krishna, Abbas Eilov, etc. So there it says you should be Euler, and that's because this whole is this is based upon just like the Mishnah says, Mafsiki Mipneha Yura Mipneha Kovit. So by extension, we also have this idea of answering to answer Kedusha, etc. If you're called up to an Aliyah, so you, during Birchas Krishna, you should go up, but you should not read along with the Chazan, with the Balkhaya. You should rely on those who say that you can rely on listening to the Chazan, as discussed in the Hilchas and certainly you shouldn't interrupt to say to the chazan about Mishabeirach what to say, etc. So that's in Hilchus Krishna. Then we have now in Hilchus, now Sukkida Zimra. What you have the second quote here is from Ksos HaShulchan, and he writes, Don't call up someone who's in Sukkida Zimra unless he's a coin and there's no other coin. Or Levi, if there's no other Levi. You are allowed to read quietly together with the Chazan. So, uh, not liking Birchas Krishna, Psukhita Zimra, he said you are allowed to read with the Chazan. In Kitsu Shukhanaruch, Simon Chav Gimel, he's, again, he says the same thing. Don't call up some in the middle of davening. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I think this quote is not there. It's, I think it's further down. I think he says in the same if that even if it is in Sukhita Zimra, you shouldn't be reading together with the Kaira. Have to check that again later. So, so here's the here's, here's the question: What's the Maisa? Do you say? In the back of the Kohos Siddha, you have that whole table of, of uh, what to interrupt for. So there it says, uh, like some say, you should read, some say you shouldn't read, leaves it a bit open. So let's now understand the Shnikal de Lomdas, so to speak. There's basically three levels in Hafsaka, in Davening. There's a level where it's all red, all red lights. Shemun Esra, in the middle of a short bracha, in the middle of Chsimisa brachas, in the middle of benching, no interruptions at all. 
that's that's uh, that's one level. Then you have the level of Birchas Krishma, and there you are allowed to answer Dovo Shebi Kedusha. So Kedusha, the the essentials of Kedusha, Omech Mirabo, Borchu, things which require a minion. So those you would interrupt in the middle of Birchas Krishna. Then we have the le- the, 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 the the least level is Sukkot Zimra, anything which is a chiyuv. Anything which is a chiyuv, you're interrupt you're interrupt for. So omen of any bracha, you'd interrupt for middle of bichas, middle of Sukkot Zimra, and all right, whatever else goes into that category. There's a whole specialist sefer called Hefzik Bitfila, a very good sefer. How do I know it's a very good sefer? Because it went through a second print. An updated print. So, if it's not a good safer, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't come out a second time. Kolponim, a very good safer by Rabbi Lemberg. Al Kolponim. So there are there, 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 this hierarchy. Here the question is: reading along with the Balkhader, what level is it? Is it a level like Dova Shabikdusha, or is it a Dova Shachayvo? Is it not even a Dova Shachayvo? Perhaps it's just a, a Minakto. So where does it come from, this reading along with the Balkhaya? So this goes back to the Rosh, who asks a question. This morning, you got up in the morning, and you said, and you said, yeah? and then you came to show, and at one fortunate moment, and they called you up, and you say again the same bracha. You said the bracha already. So what's happening now? Why are you making a bracha and you are little he said, what's the, what's the, uh, no, you, uh, years ago, in the times of the Gemara, so you you, you, you mean, now it's a special privilege that you are actually before, your own now you're standing up, you're beating Betzibur. That's all very well back then. But then, once it became the Seder, that instead of reading on your own, the Balkhoyer lanes for you, so we're back to the question. What's, what's, uh, what, what are you making a brocha again for? For this, for the, because of this question, the Rosh says that when you have Aliyah Latayra, you should read along quietly with the Balkhari. So you're reading Barab. Comes along the Masses Binyamin, who was uh, perhaps a generation after the Ramo, one of the very early but prominent Akhronim, and he says, I don't understand. You're saying that what? You're reading Barabim. What privilege is it to stand Barabim and whisper? Well, if you're reading Barabim, but if you're, you're not reading aloud, you're reading, you're whispering. So why, what's, what's, what's the privilege that you're making a bracha on this? So what's then back to, back to the question, what's the bracha for? So he becomes a major, amazing chiddush. What's the, what would happen if you have a, a shul where there's only one literate person? All the rest are wonderful people, but they'll just sit at the side and twiddle their thumbs, and everyone, and only one is able to read from the Torah. So then, he has seven aliyahs. So he has Rishon, and he says a bracha before and after. He goes, Shani, he goes, Shlishi, and he goes through seven aliyahs. He takes seven aliyahs, Rishon and bracha, Rishon, but he makes 14 brachas. This is brought in the Tzemach Tzedek, as Simon Lambadhei, Erechayim, why we don't do Heshafas. Say, so according to the Masas Benyomin, when you make a bracha, it's not for you, not because you're laning, you're saying the Balkhoyer's bracha. And therefore, the Balkhoyer has seven aliyahs. Uh, he shouldn't be taking a off. You know, I had seven aliyahs, I want to have an extra one. 
Genuk. Okay, that's 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 the the mahalach of the masses binyamin, which makes also a difference. For example, with it, could a blind person have an aliyah Torah? So according to the rosh, according to the rosh, it seems to be a, a problem. Why could he? And what's he making a bracha? He's not reading from the Torah. He's not able to read from the Torah. According to the masses binyamin, he's not making a bracha on his reading. He'd make a bracha on the balkaira's reading. The Tzemach Tzedek then brings a svore that even according to, to explain the Rosh, although I'm not reading Barabim, but I'm standing in a position as if I'm reading Barabim, something, something like that. Well, having said all this, the the chiyuv uh, to read quietly with the Balkhoire doesn't seem to be a very strong chiyuv. Although the Rosh does say to do so, Master Zbiyom disagrees, it doesn't, it seems to be and therefore I'm more inclined with the position of not saying along with the Balkhoire, especially since the Alter Rebbe in his Siddur was overly conscientious of Brochel Vatola and Hefsik, which is the reason why we don't say Vishamru, which is the reason why we don't um, announce Yalavyova in the night of, of, of Rosh Chodesh, and various other things. Al Tarebbe was very conscientious, kind of akin to Brochel Vatola of Hefsik. Therefore, if there's a child here of Hefsik, I'll take the view of not being Mavsik. And you, you, you generally would do the same as Bechas Krishna. By the way, this is by, by a little, uh, I, as far as I remember, the Kitzah Shekhanaruch is more lenient than the Alter Rebbe about saying things in 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 the Kainetzer. The Alter Rebbe compares the Kainetzer to Bechas Krishna, and the Kitzah Shekhanaruch compares it to Pesukah de Zimra. Someone here is putting on the other questions. Why does a coin, when there's no levy, say the bracha twice? Because he's taking another aliyah. They're very simple. Right, let's move on. Sad story. An old man, 70s, whatever, passed away. And at the Tara, I get a call from the, from the shliach there. At the Tara, they see that the person never had a bris. So he's asking, it's urgent, should I... Do a bris now in the Tara rule, etc. So you have here a din in two places in Shekhanaruch, in Simeresh Samach Gimel, in the dinim of, of uh, Milo, and in the dinim, I've forgotten which number it is, in Hichas, you know, Hichas etc. A child which passed away before he became eight days old, Malin Oisoy Al Kivroi, they won't do a circumcision. At the grave, bitsur oibekona with a with a rock or with a reed, one would not say a bracha. The source for this is in in the divrei hagoinim. So it's not in the shas. It's but it, it's based upon a medrash that Avraham Avinu stands by the entrance to Gehenim, and anyone who has a bris, he will not let him go into Gehenim. However, you understand that. But that, that's how they, they, there's this medrash. And therefore, that this child also should come to, should, should have the brismila, uh, even though it's not a mitzvah as such. What was the question of the shliach? He probably saw in various sources a debate in this case. 
where you have here Godel Shad, this is the second quote here, is from a Sefer Oitzer Habris, which is like an encyclopedia on Hilchas Milo. He writes, Godel Shaloi Nimoil Bemezid, an adult who never had a bris, willfully. So yet, yes, some say we'll do the same thing. So although the Shekhanor talks about a child who died before eight days old, but the Shach says it could be even in under circumstances. It just didn't work out to have a bris earlier. It could be for health reasons, whatever. And so he's taking it further. Even if the, the omission of a bris was willful, still one would do the bris. And he quotes here from a Sefer Yad HaLevi, the Daichi Sherov, now, those who challenge this, they were not so sure. It's a Mohangarish say for Koyos Habris. And even himself, he's also not so sure about his objection, especially in, um, in the, this question came in actually from Germany, which has welcomed many, many Yidden from the former Soviet Union. And so, therefore, I felt that probably the omission of the Bris in this case was because he was brought up born in communist uh, Russia and wasn't able to have a bris then and uh, all right so it's it's, it's in this respect and uh, I, I felt there's no no harm in following the lenient position to be able to give him a bris at least then let's move on <clears throat> So here we have a picture somewhere, I don't remember, somewhere in the United States, I don't remember. So he says, essentially, he's moved into a new place, and there's lots of these doorways, these archways. Do that, does every one of them have to have a musician? So it's interesting that I actually spoke about this in Crown Heights on Monday morning. I gave a shear in the Kailal there, and I mentioned about a Sikha of the Rebbe about explaining what is a door and what's a doorway and what's a, what's a lock and what's a key. And Vashgocha Protis, the Sikha which was published for this Shabbos from Yud Shvat, Tov Shin Lamedvov, was the very Sikha which I was quoting from memory. And then it explains, you have two rooms, so they're two separate, two separate entities. You want them to be able to connect, to be connectable, so you make a doorway. Once you made a doorway, so they, they, are, they are exposed to one another. But you want to have the choice whether it should be one room or two rooms. So you put up a door. Then that's when you're there, you have the control whether it's one room or two door or two rooms. You have to stand by the door and make sure it's, it's closed or open. But what about when you're away? For this, there is a idea called a lock. And to control the lock, you have a key. So that is explaining what does it mean a key? That you have the control of the room, even while you have the balabatishkite of the exposure of this room, of the inner room, even whilst you're away. I suspect, although it doesn't say in the, in the Hanukkah, I suspect that the Rebbe had been presented a key for something, you know, as a building or something. And the Rebbe was talking about the significance of a key. And then he explains the idea of a key in Avedis Hashem, that you can talk, I'll just briefly, you can talk, you can encourage a person, let's say, to give a loan to someone. You can encourage a person to give a tober to another person. Or you can encourage the person to have Avedis Yisrael. And Avedis Yisrael, therefore, automatically, whether it's a loan, whether it's a, a, a toy, they come together. So he's talking about you can have a, a key, which is a key to several items. So that's the Rebbe's uh, in explanation in, in Avoida, the application of a key, 
um, which is a, in a particular Nakuda, which includes various Inyonim. Koponin, coming back to, to our, 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 our discussion, the idea of a doorway is that you've got two separate functions. You've got, let's say, you've got a lounge and a dining room, two separate functions. And you've got a doorway. Sometimes you want to have them connected and sometimes not, but they're two separate functions. Sometimes you've got a door frame, but both sides are actually identical function. That doesn't really qualify as a doorway. It might be look sound a little bit Adair Hadrash, but that, that is the concept here. That are the is the this door frame, is it setting apart one part of the uh, building from another part? If so, yes, it's a Pesach. If it isn't, it doesn't really qualify as a Pesach. Now that's more in, in Svora. Now let's take a look. This is from the Sefer Pischei Sha'orim, a contemporary Sefer. Oh, it's a Pischei, it's something like that. All right, so you can see this is the drawing which I copied from the Sefer, which I have on, on the Yotzer Chochmer. And it's almost like a photograph of the uh, building in question. So he writes the following in two places. He says, when you've got a Pesach, which is made for going in and out, our Pesach, which is not made for going in and out, it's only decorative. That's Potter Mimizuz. So, and then he, he refers to you, us to the rates later on in Rechpe Zion, Nuntes, where he writes a very similar a corridor, which is divided with a Tzuras HaPesach, with a door frame, with an archway, and you've got uh, protrusions from the walls. He's like a bit uh, not sure, but this seems to be his, his, uh, his idea. When the, you've got the decorative arches, but they're not really performing any function. It's all one room. Then that would be called, it's just, in the Gemara you talk about a, a door frame which is just to hold up the ceiling. So let's say today, when you'd take down a wall to make a large room out of two rooms, but you'd have to support the upper floor and you'd leave a little bit of brickwork on either side, and you'd have a support for an RSJ to support the upper floor. So it looks like a doorway, but really you've cut away as much as you can because really you wanted to have one big room. Just have to leave a little bit for the RSJ. That doesn't need to have a mezuzah. When you do leave a substantial amount of wall, so then it's a doorway because it's, it's, it is retaining that the two rooms are separate functions. So that's the answer. Such as In such a case, if they're purely decorative, not any function at all, then they do not need a separate, do not need mezuzahs. Let's move on. So someone was speaking to me on Thursday, very common question. If you didn't sleep very well the night before and you finish off and you take off your tefillin or your whatever, you take off your tefillin and you realize that you're wearing your tams for shacharis. So now what do you do now? Do you, of course, you're going to put in rashis, but you make a bracha. So let's read this. Now, what I have here is from a sefer, which uh, there's a small, like a paperback sefer on Natilsia Yadayim, published by someone called Yomtiv Nettle Bronspiegel. I'm not sure which year it was supposed to be. So, you know, a pre-war publication. It's got like a, a beer, like a liquid on the Alter Rebbe's Seder Birchasan And at the back, it's got what's called Likutim Nechutzim. 
And here he has this paragraph. This is what I remembered from years ago. I seem to recall that the Rebbe, that, that Rabbi Grona has a quote from the Rebbe about this to follow the Munkacha, which we're going to get to in a, in a moment. I did not trace this um, quote from Rabbi Grona um, in the last couple of, you know, just now, but that's just from memory. So let's read the, the text here. If one put on Rabbeinu Tams with a brocha, in error, because he thought that he thought that they are the Rashi's tefillin. So look up the Sefer's Choyl Avraham, in the name of the Sefer Samachaye, and the Sefer Chaim Shoal, which is from the Chidor, who says that you should put on Rashi's with a bracha. Divrei Chaim, that's the Tzanzarov, says, Sidim from Lublin, um, you do not say a bracha again. And he says, I would differentiate whether it's a person who normally puts on two pairs of tefillin, then he should not make a bracha on the second tefillin. Because when he puts on the first ones, he had in mind the other ones also. One who ain't dark, one who is not used to putting on two tefillin, so two sets of tefillin, then he should. So if it's just a regular balabos, who by mistake took, you know, he came to shul and um, someone says they're Rabbeinu Tamas tefillin. So he says, by the time Rabbeinu Tam will get to Shul, I'll be finished davening. You heard the joke before. Um, so in that case, he would not. He he would have to make a brach on the Rashi's. Whereas if he normally puts on two pairs, says the Tanzarov, that you he would not make a brach on Rashi's. Notwithstanding, we have here the Minchas Elozor. Now Minchas Elozor, the Munkacharov, who is a generation later, so to speak after the Tzanzarov, and uh, he, Paskins, like the Samchaya, the Chamshayim, Shoal, that even if you are used to putting on two sets of tefillin, nevertheless, you should, it's missing a chof there, you should be saying a bracha. However, if, as you're putting on the tefillin in the morning, before Shachmas, you put on your tefillin, before you even said, you realize, oops, I put Rabbeinu Tams instead of Rashi's, then since you haven't interrupted, even with davening, then you take them off and put on Rashi's. But if you already started davening, so then the davening is a hefzik between your bracha, which you said on the Rabbeinu Tams, and your mitzvah of putting on tefillin. So the bottom line is that if you have finished davening, for sure, the psak remains, like the Minchas Elozar, that you should say another bracha on the Rashi's, if you realize as you're putting them on, so then you take them, take off the Rabbeinu Tams, put them in the Rashis, at the end of davening, put on Rashis, um, to put the Rabbeinu Tams again, because you want to say Shema and all that. Let's move on. Now, I don't remember who even asked me this question. It was also the, during the past week. And asking about which way to rotate at Duchening. So let's read from the Alter Rebbe Shechon Aruch. Simen Kuf Chofches is the dinim of Birchas Koyanim. And the Alter Rebbe writes the following. Kishemachzidim Pneim. When the Koyanim rotate, where the Bitchilo, when they are, at first when they, they're facing the Heichel, the Oren Kodesh, and they rotate to face the people. Beim Besoif, or at the end when they finish their bracha, and they turn away from facing the people towards the Oren Kodesh, they should rotate to the right, namely that they're facing to the east. Then they should rotate 
to the south and then to the west and then they should turn to the north and then back to facing the Yonkaitish. So which means they should be rotating clockwise. So then we have here a reference to Simach Tzedek, Simach Samach Zayin, that's talking about Hadlokas Neus Chanukah, the famous Machlokas, whether to write from light from left to right or right to left. And then he quotes here from Simach Tzedek in the Chidushim, that he quotes here that there are those who say that you should actually rotate to your left, even though the Bes Yosef says that they are Toyim, Indeed, the Minik Chabad in Boye Vesholim is like the, the latter words of the Tzimach Tzedek, to rotate anti-clockwise. Those who remember standing by the Rebbe, so the Rebbe would at Boye Vesholim rotate towards the Oren Kodesh, in other words, turn to his left, and then rotate, in other words, it would rotate anti-clockwise. So we have here different opinions, and just to explain the approach of the Semach Tzedek, where he says, one of the explanations in this Semach Tzedek in Chedushim, in Yuma, he says the following, if you would rotate clockwise, so now, your, your first movement was with your right foot. Now, picture yourself. I'm not going to do this on Zoom. My camera is not going to focus on my legs as I show I illustrate, unless I stand on the table. Not, not going to do that. So now, as you are rotating clockwise, you're going to take your right foot and move it backwards. If you're going to rotate to your left, so then your right foot will move forward. So here is the question. On the one hand, rotating there is a priority to rotate to the right. But if rotating to the right means going backwards and rotating to the left means going forwards, is forwards to the left is preferable, according to Simach Tzedek, forwards to the left is preferable to, 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 to backwards to the right. That's that his maskona. He brings proofs to this. One of them is, he talks about the koyanim going on the Mizbeach. The and then you come up and you go to the side ramp and you go along the soiviv. As you come to the corner, so then you, con you want to go from the southern side to the eastern side. So you're going to have to turn to your left unless you do a full rotation on, on, on the spot. He also goes into the Koyen Godl as he enters the Kodesh HaKadoshim between the two curtains. The Kitsa, the Tzimach Tzedek, takes there the view that um, to rotate to the left rather than to rotate to the right. To the right. That's when you're rotating on the, on the spot. When we go around the bimmer, we go to our right and we go around the bimmer anti-clockwise. But when you're rotating on the spot, then you'd rotate to your left. Uh, if you want to read this up more carefully, in the Siddur, which I published all those years ago, it's now almost 20 years ago, in the Hishofas, there's a whole section about, by, about 
rotating by Boichalo, and then this is discussed in more detail. Of late, you have a, I've quoted him before, there's a safer Shulchan Koyanim from Rav Yisrael Yosef Hendel, the Rav of Lubavitch in Migdala Emek, is a Koyan, and he says the Minig Minig is today, of the Koyanim, indeed, in Chabad, to rotate to the left, in the words, to rotate anti-clockwise. So uh, I, I, I've never seen this, I'm, you know, I'm under the talus when they do that, but that's what he's saying, that's the, their Minig. Okay, fine. Let's move on. Someone asked me a question this week about Kiddush Levona if it was done before day three. If it was done before day three, is it valid? So in the uh, Mishnah Bura, the Dirshu edition, in Simon Tov Chovov, they quote Rav Shlomo Zalman Oyerbach to say that you are Yoitzer, number one. Number two, in Shukhan it talks about minimum of day three. But I'd like to emphasize that that is day three from the Moilad, not day three on the Chaydash. And if it's day three on the Chaydash and the Moilad was a day or day and a half before, so it's past day three. Yeah. So it could very well be what you, if you're asking, I made a big Kiddush Levana before day three, it may be actually it was already day three. It has to be enough that you should you should be able to appreciate the light, benefit from the light, which is in nowadays with, with all the artificial light is difficult to picture. But you have to have Hanua from the Oyer Halavona to be able to make a brocha. Um, interesting. Some people, I don't know why, people were asking me a question when I was now in New York about making a brocha, Kiddush Levona during the day. During day, sometimes you can see the moon during the day. Um, and the Haloch is clearly that you'd have to have benefit from the moon and it's unlikely that you would have Hanur from the Oyer Halavona in the, in the later part of the month you can see the Levona that's, that's how it is I think, the later part of the month it's in the morning and the early part of the month sometimes it's in the late afternoon either way, so long as there's, there's daylight you're not going to have any benefit from the light of the moon, so you couldn't say Kiddush Levona then. Let's go on to the next question and that is someone is asking me about um, about the rattling of coins in the pushka, and someone who's irritated by the noise of the pushka put a piece of cloth inside, and someone else comes along and says, "It's a you know it's a violation of your sayde hadas." The crack, crack, and the the the, uh, the noise of the pushka is is mamish. Uh, you know, so let's is there a, is there a source for it? So, what I'd like to say is that I, well, <laughs> my personal experience is that people who are hard of hearing don't realize the amount of noise they make when they clash around with a pushka. Uh, and I'm trying to chaperine before they lose their hearing completely <laughs> that they shouldn't realize that you know it is it could be for people who do hear well. So the clanging of coins. Uh, can be quite irritating with the sh shuffling of coins. So, yeah, you do it for a minute, you do it for, but uh, to make a whole avoider of it during Sukkot Zimra can be quite disconcerting to other uh, people in the show. But the, the but there is a source for it. Yeah. So here we have this. This is in Balshemtiv Alatoira, quoting from Medrash Pinchas. That's from Reb Pinchas Koritzer, who was uh, Talmud of the Balshemtiv, and the Talmud Chovah, so to speak. 
of the of the Mizritcha Magid. In base Rebbe, it's quoted that the Alter Rebbe saw Repinchas Koritz says a Shikal Rebbe. He learned from him, particularly the Midah of of Anivus. Repinchas uh, Koritz was had a tremendous Midah of Anova, and the Alter Rebbe um, learned this from him. That's how it's quoted in base Rebbe. Right. So now this is it was once on Erev Yom Kippur, and they wanted to stop the fact that people were sitting with the ka'oros, with the metal bowls. There was, in other words, the people were sitting there in, and Arab Yom Kippur, people would give soccer, pidin kaporis, etc. So people were sitting there with their metal dishes to collect coins. And the Gaboim wanted to, to stop them sitting there. Machmas bilbul to fill up because it was disruptive to the davening. But Siva Abal Balshemtiv Shemtiv says not to dis, not not to disrupt the the coin collection. Sipah Balshemtiv, that's the Matzah Shabbos on Sipah Balshemtiv. Shempam Achas Nishchashu Haklipes Rachmon Litzlan. One time there was a there was a uh, intense movement of clippers, and and Valyudei Hakishkushim Amoyes Be'er of Yemakipurim. But through the clanging of the coins in Erev Kippur, so that caused the the clippers to be um, to, to be broken asunder, etc. So fair enough. So there is so there is there merit in the idea of the clanging of the coins? Is there something to it? Yes. Um, and does it break through the trill? Yes. Does that mean it has to be done every day? And what's the sheer? Actually, it should be the whole time. There has everything has to have a a, a shear, and so the, this, the the source is on Arium Kipper and the Yotzim in Haklal, but uh, in a way that it should be uh, that is disruptive. Sofko sof, you know, we have there there is a Chassidish expression which I remember once when we were shluchim going to Australia, so we had a fabrengin with a Melech Tzvi Balalavashalom, and he told the story. To explain that in 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 uh in farmer, he has a, a goat, and the goat gave birth to a firstborn male. The firstborn is a bechir. So bechir has got a kedusha. It's got such a kedusha that you mustn't you mustn't comb it, you mustn't scrub it. Because you might scrub it, you might make a, inflict a, a, a damage, a, a blemish on it. So you've got this animal. It's it's never has a bath, and it's never never groomed. So it's it's sacred. It's a sacred goat. But you can imagine if an animal never has a bath, if a human never has a bath, but an animal never has a bath. So so the expression is. Halik bistu, You may be sacred, but still you might have an offensive um, odor. So <laughs> there are things which are holy, but everything has to have be in proportion. Yeah, and if it's disruptive, we you know bringing children to shul. So it says you bring children, to, don't bring children to shul, which are going to disrupt the davening. So the fact that there's been no an, an exceptional instance of Erevim Kippur that doesn't justify. 
uh, disrupting people's davening on a daily basis. Uh, all right, and I think I think this, even with a piece of cloth inside the, the stocker pushka, there's still going to be a bit of clanging noise because the coins will bang against the other. Yeah, I mean, th there's a separate question about Bichlal, about people going around in the middle of davening, and and uh, and I'm 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 you know I'd be very um, hesitant to, to make any steps to stop such a thing, although I can I can see the the, the merit in that, but uh, on the other hand, to stop people collecting stocker is is um, something which I'd be very hesitant to do. Let's move on. So number 10 was last week, I mentioned about the project someone's doing with boys under bar mitzvah, making tzitzis. And then once they become bar mitzvah, those tzitzis are uh, which they shouldn't be wearing the tzitzis, they're made by a cotton. So Rabbi Simon, Rabbi um, Simon here in Ketiva Sashem in, in uh, Northwest London, he left me a message last night at Shabbos after he had heard the recording, and he says what they've done is a good idea, that I say it's a good idea, that they would, when they do the project with the boys to teach them tzitzis, so the madrich does the first chulia, he does the first double knot and the first seven circuits, and then again a double knot, and then teaches the boys to do the other and really, once you have the first chulia, then for sure you can even make a bracha on it. It's a kosher pair of tzitzis. Meanwhile, the boys will do the rest of them. They'll get their training and their chibas hakodesh by doing that. But meanwhile, that there's no question of uh, of the kasha. So it is nothing but a very helpful idea. We go on to question number eleven, and that was again we were talking about walking between Shalyad and Shalrosh, between putting on the Shalyad and Shalrosh. I quoted last week, I believe, from the Munkacher, from the Sefer Nemuka Erechaim. And I, I recall that I was not so um, carried away with his lambdas. And then someone sent me to a, a few references in the Alter Rebbe's actually to the country. That, and we'll read this inside. So this is in Simon, uh, this is in Simon Ches. So the references on the sheet which I gave out on Erev Shabbos are slightly wrong. It should be Simon Kuf Dalad and Kuntras Achran in Simon Ches, Kuntras Achran Hey, but let's read this inside. Here the Alter Rebbe talks about if a person put on a Tal's cotton and he made a bracha on the Tal's cotton. When he goes to Shul, he puts on the Tal's, he'd make a bracha again because walking from home to Shul would be a hefzik and have to make a new bracha when he comes to show, even if he had not chatted in between. Nevertheless, the Shinui Mokim, the going from one location to the other, is considered a hefzik. He says further, even if he wanted to put on the talus godl at home, but he put on the tzitzis, the small tzitzis, with a bracha, he went out of the house and he came back in. So again, he would, the Shinui Mokim, going out of the house, would be a hefzik and warrant another bracha on the putting on of the, of the talus god. The relevant part to us is if he hadn't left this house 
between these Talascot and Talzgodl. Even if he put on the Talascot in one room and he went to put on the Talzgodl in another room, in the same house, you do not need to make a new bracha since they are under the, they, since they are one house. So walking from one room to the other is not called a hepsik if he's not mafsik with talking about other things or, or etc. So he's and, and in the Kuntusachrin, which is alluded to here on, on Hay, he, he just goes into detail about this that merely walking inside in within the same house certainly within the same room, is not called a hefsik. So that seems to be taking away the taina of the uh, from last week. Um, I just want to add here, since um, in, in the dinim of Badikas Chometz, there's a difference between the Alter Rebbe's um, text in the Shulchan Aruch and in the Siddur. When you have various members of the family who are going to each do B'dikas Chometz on behalf of the, the head of the family. And they're going to be doing in different rooms. So the Alter Rebbe in the Shechon says they should be boidik a little bit in this house before they go to other houses. In the Siddur, he says, they should be boidik in this space, in this room, before they go to other rooms. And that is because this idea that several rooms in the same house it's not a problem of hefsik because they are all under the one roof. That is a chiddush, as far as your memory is from the Ran. It's not necessarily unanimous. That they, uh, and, and therefore, in the Siddur, he took a stricter position that they should, instead of going to another room before doing the further bedikah, they should do a bit of bedikah in the same room, another corner, and then they'll go to other rooms. In this way, they've started doing bedikah in the same room and where they heard the brach, and therefore the shinui mokim, even Mikhail el doesn't apply. As I'm reading this today, I'm curious if the Ran says shinui Mikhail el is contingent if you had das to go from room to room. Here, the Alter Rebbe doesn't say that it's contingent that he had das. Well, you might say it's a some assumed since he's got his talus at home, he had intention to put in the talus, therefore he doesn't have to mention. That might be the explanation. I don't know. All right, let's move on. And our last question for tonight, and that is about tugging ears. So last week I mentioned someone had asked me for the source of saying Hashem. When you have a sneeze, to sneeze, so I showed a marshal and I showed Mr. Brewer last week when a person sneezes since before Yaakov Avinu person would sneeze and they would pass away um, right away. So there's become a minig of when your person sneezes, so one of our listeners asked me, what about this minig about pulling in the ear? So we have here a couple of quotes here. One is from a sefer called Masim Melech, which traces the minhogim of the Rebbe. And he says, yes, that he would, the Rebbe would pull his ear upwards and when he and when and saying Hashem. And in the note there they have that the Rebbe, the Frederick Rebbe told him to do so. And and some say that they that they, 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 they saw the Rebbe not doing so. Here is from the Sefer Yemei Melech, which is quoted here. 
that the Rebbe was once in the presence of the Friedrich Rebbe and he sneezed. And this, the, the Rebbe the Shver told him that the meaning is to pull the ear upwards and to say, and to do it by the side of the ear. Now, since the Maase Melech says you should I have a cousin in Smolensk, a Shliach in Smolensk, so he sent me a link to a, a, a an article of his late father, Rabbi Shur Monshain. And uh, he he when he when he he goes through this at several times. He says this day this day a few days he noticed that the Rebbe did sneeze and didn't didn't pull his ear, and it wasn't it wasn't the Rebbe didn't always do it. Um, but just one one last thing, what's the what's the ear got to do? What's got to do with it? Uh, Mendel, I remember once your father telling a whole story. Uh, about a lion, about a lion, and the, the, the punchline was that someone needed the ear of a lion. And the end of it, it was a, this was in camp, Kanye Stroll, about forty-five years ago. And the end of it was the guy brings the ear, and, says, and the guy says, "What's ear?" Okay, typical. Huh? So, um, but what's the what's the ear got to do with it? So, Lishuoscha Kivisi Hashem is in Targum is Lufukonoch Saboris Hashem. If you take some Nusach Ashkenaz Sidurim, I think in in Tfilas Haderech, they say Hashem back and forth, and also they say the Targum Saboris Hashem. So Kivisi and Saboris is the same word. We have the word, and I don't remember where it is. The Rashi I didn't look it up. So our Shabbos is a short day. Lesaber um, Esoizin. The Abish to the, the talk about the Saber to to tell the ear in a way to speak it talks about the Abish to hand, etc., or at, at similar things. So you say Rashi says the Saber to inform the ear in a way it can, can can hear. So we've got here the word Saboris, which comes up in the Shaoscha Kivisi Hashem, and the ear is the Saber, and possibly the word Saber also is related to the word Besoira, and so. We'll finish off with Harachman Yishlach Lomnes Yohu Hanovi, Motzah Shabbos Yohu Hanovi, Vivasel Lono, the Soyrus Toivois Yeshua is Venechomes. Agutavoch.